Welcome to the Art of Leadership with Nina Ellison. Join Nina as she explores the underlying value of soft skills in the lives of healthy leaders. Thank you, Barry. My name is Nina Ellison, and this week we're going to be meeting with a leader named Tian Singletary. But first, let me ask you a question. Does it matter where a leader lives in order to thrive? If we agree that leadership is the opportunity to influence others, then this question poses an interesting thought. Does it matter where a leader lives? Is proximity important? You know, that idea of being close to the source of your work, the people you work with, your family, your friends? And if so, why or why not? In the past, in the USA, we may have been considered as a nation of restless nomads, never living too long in one place. Yet the U.S. Census Bureau reported in 2016 that the percentage of Americans moving over a one-year period fell to a new low with only 11.2% moving. Rough math on the back of my napkin tells me that this is a little over 28 million people of the 323 that were living in the USA at that time. But it also makes me think of this concept of the tipping point. Several researchers have observed that if there is 10% of a group considering embracing a change or a belief that the majority of the group will consider adopting that idea or that change, if they have two encounters where this change or this belief is found to be agreeable to them. Perhaps this is why there is a sense that we are a nomadic nation. Yet in the census report just mentioned, in spite of the movement of many Americans over a lifetime, nearly 72% of Americans live in or close by their hometown. Last year, I met Tian Singletary, one of the 72% of Americans that I was just referring to. And he as a leader intentionally chose to move back home. So Tian, as we start our conversation towards this idea of hearing your answer to the question, does it matter where a leader lives in order to thrive? Would you tell us first about your growing up years and what moved you away from your hometown? Yeah, sure. Thank you, Nia, for allowing me the opportunity to join you here with the art of leadership. And it is my honor and privilege. The answer to your first question is no, it doesn't matter where the leader lives in order to thrive. And I will share with you why I say that. A little bit about me first. I, my name is Tion Singletary. However, in the work that I do in business and the civilian sector, I am known as Coach Tion Singletary. Born and raised in Trio, South Carolina, one of those towns that's very small. If you blink your eyes while you drive through it, you will miss it. When I was younger, I dreamt about leaving home and never returning, never coming back. Yeah. So immediately after high school, I enlisted in the Army National Guard and never looked back. Uh, I've been serving now for 16 long, great years, and the military was my way out. It was, it, it was the tool that I used to get me out of, of the norm. See, when I was in high school, I was part of the JRTC program. That's where I cultivate my leadership skills, and I was the battalion commander during my senior year for the program and my instructor, Sergeant First Class Taylor, he would call it the top dog of the battalion. <laughs> it, it gave me pride. It gave me, 
It gave me something to be motivated about. That's why I joined the military and the rest was history. All right. So you knew from high school that you were going to be heading out away from your town. And yeah. you, you, like you said, you didn't look back. Share with us what motivated you to come back um, in a way where you had, it was a complete, like 180 degree turn, Tion, from what you first said, that you were never going back home again. <laughs> yes, it is. Yes, it is. You know, life come at us all differently. And the way how we adjust to the new norm of life will determine the future of our life. And mm-hmm. there were multiple things that motivated me to come back home. The first thing that motivated me was my family. One of the things that I live by is family first. There was a season where I had to choose to move out of state or would I stay home to help support my family? I choose to stay home and support my family. And that's my mother, my my father, my sister, and my brother. The second thing that motivated me was that I wanted to make a difference within my community. I know that sometimes that is hard, but with me growing up, I knew how it was. And I wanted to change the way how things was when I was younger. I wanted to be different. And I didn't want to be one of the ones that, that leave and become successful and never return back. I wanted to be a difference maker. I wanted to be a change agent. So that's what I did. Yeah. And I know that's the point where I met you because uh, we began talking about ways that you were trying to make a difference. I do want to share one more thing that motivated me in that to thrive as a leader, I believe we have to live that what Theodore Roosevelt said to us. People don't care how much you know until they know how much you care. And I believe that true leadership leads from the front with care. Now, was I always that type of leader? No, (laughs) I was the one that only thought about what my thoughts were and that's what I was going to do. Didn't care about others or or other people's thoughts or how they feel. My life journey so far taught me that true strong leaders thrive when they care for each other, when they care for others. You can do that from wherever you are. And I choose to do that within my community, my hometown. Why? Because that's where I found my truth. And I have a question for you. What's your truth? What's your calling within your life? And that goes into my third motivation, which is my foundation. My foundation was created and built on God. That's my belief. That was the other reason why I decided to come home and stay home and remain here within this season. Now you've shared some of your deeper motivations, and and thank you for sharing that. How did you get plugged into those opportunities? Because I heard you say you saw them, but but was seeing them enough or was it that you had to be invited to join the party again because you were coming back in? And and if that's the case, was it was it easy? <laughs> uh, the journey of life is not easy at all. <laughs> <laughs> so uh, it all started when I went overseas, thousands and thousands of miles away from home. Uh, in 2012. And that was my opportunity to really get down to who I am. And that's where I found my true calling overseas. So when I came back home, I started looking for those things to help me to be to become who I needed to be. Then I began to build that and make it start really moving forward our life and start going to my community and sharing one of my purpose. I, I didn't care who you were. I was going to share 
you my purpose and what I want to do in order to change our world, change our community. I talked to one person that was within a Friends of the Library meeting. And she saw the passion that I had inside of me and, and asked me a question. And the question was, will you talk with me after the meeting? And we did. We stayed a couple of minutes, probably 30 minutes to an hour after the meeting. Cindy Valentine, that's what she said to me. She said, I know someone that you need to meet. And then she uh, uh, introduced me to someone called Dina Cooper. I started, I did the same thing. I shared with her my purpose, my passion, what I want to do to change our community. And she looked at me with a big smile on her face and said, I know someone you need to meet. <laughs> That's when I uh, met Ronald McGinnis. There's a lot of things going on because it was a, a nonprofit organization. So we went and found a spot in the closet, in a sense, right? <laughs> one chair here, my one chair there. And now I'm nervous. I'm like, what is going on here? I don't know this guy. <laughs> right? But guess what? I actually knew who he was because during that same time, I was the coach of a recreational football. And guess who was a referee? So as soon as you walk through the door, we both look at each other, eye contact, and say, I know you, <laughs> right? <laughs> so we are nearly connected just from that experience. And then I start sharing with them my purpose, not on the football field, but my purpose as a person and as a man within my community. And he looked at me with a big smile on his face and said, I know someone you really need to meet. <laughs> uh, this was number four, huh? <laughs> yeah, yeah. So that's when I uh, met the, the executive director at the time of Helping Hands of Joystown, John Bush. And I did the same thing. I shared with him my purpose, my passion, what I want to do in, in, in the community. And then he smiled. We really need to talk some more. And we began to talk more and more and more. And then that's when I came in the first quarter of 2018 to teach their program, their clients on life skills. And the first lesson that we had was living intentionally mm. by John Maxwell. And when I said it rocked our world, even mine, it rocked our world. People were changed. People started living better lives and the program changed as well. And because of that, he decided to make me the program leader of the overall program, which is dealing with four different agencies. And that's was since 2018. And I am still here right now in 2021. And I am enjoying every bit of it because we are really changing lives one person at a time. Tian, I remember you telling me about reading your first book <laughs> uh, when you were overseas. And it was the first time ever you'd read a book from front to end, and it was no script notes. You were reading the actual book. Yes. <laughs> and how how ironic, how beautifully ironic that the first thing you were given to do when you came back home and were given an opportunity to kind of show how you were really changing and the passion you had for leadership was that you got to lead a book study <laughs> on You're intentional right. living. So I just, I love those kind of twists in life. You know, you, you just yes. can't make them up the way they happen. It's just beautiful. Exactly. So as you went through this, what were some of the toughest adjustments you made in coming back home? Because I know by this point, you had received a lot of training. I believe you've got some real specialty training in IT, if I'm correct. Yes. So you had you had received some training that could take you off on some different careers. Here you've decided to come back home. You're working in this organization. What were the toughest things that you faced during these first years as you got started in your community? Mm. 
the first choice that I had to make, which was a tough choice, was to do, make the decision whether am I going to go and hunt the six figures, which I could have and still can to this day, or will I really come home and make a change? And I had to make a decision and stick with that, that decision because once I made a decision, that was it. So I, it took me some time to really make the decision and to decide, yes, this is what I am going to do. So that was number one. The remaining part of, of the toughness of being here is I didn't want to fall back into the trap of small-mindedness or falling back in the trap of poverty mindset or fall back in the trap on how things go within our community. I wanted to change that. And that was the reason why I came back, was to change the mindset and, and start teaching on the things that I learned from the outside, the things that I did on my life journey with the military and, and, and other means. I wanted to come back and teach others what I know. My goal was to come back. And that still is my goal, to teach others how to get out of this mindset of poverty or mindset of broken mindedness. And, and let me tell you, it was a daily battle. <laughs> it was a daily battle. When you've been living in the same mindset, the mindset of poverty for so long, like the, the most major part of your life, it is very hard to shift your mindset. Thanks be to God that I was able to get out at the age of 18 to travel the world and see new things that increase my awareness, that increase my mindset. Now I want to give back. Like John Maxwell says, be a river and not a reservoir. Yeah, I was thinking um, not long ago, I read one of Seth Godin's blogs and, and he was talking about this idea of, of shifting culture. And he says, culture doesn't shift with masses of people. You people like us, like you, Tion, it says, we're going to do things like this. And the this is what you're doing in terms of culture shifting with changing mindsets. Mm -hmm. And it's usually just a few people. But as you are influencing a person at a time, the culture is shifting. Is that a, a true statement? It is. It is a true statement. And I, I have a story to share on this. And that is. I had a parent to come to me for help in parenting and they wanted to become a better parent and win the love back of their child. She had two sons, one older and one a lot younger. The oldest one was staying with her and the younger one was staying in a different house. During the younger days of the son's life, she wasn't there, she was in and out. So the child grew angry and never wanted to be with her. That hurt her because she wanted change and she wanted to gain their trust back. So we went through a series of getting to know one another. Within one of our sessions, we received a breakthrough. She realized the truth behind the matter and that truth was her. She needed to change. Did I openly tell her this? No. She was able to figure this out by me leading the, leading the conversation we had together with the right questions for her to really dig deep in her own awareness. Due to this new awareness, she decided to make that change to improve herself, to become a better parent. Now she was ready. She was ready for change. Then and only then, 
was when I was able to share her with the tools and techniques that I learned within the parenting and family certifications. She now have a better relationship with her two sons. And guess what, Nia? Stories like this is what drives me towards helping people to change their life, to change their perspective on life, to change from having a poverty mindset to a growth mindset. Yeah, thank you so much, Tiana. And, you know, I started off with this question, does it matter where a leader lives in order to thrive? As I met you and I saw the dramatic change you made in your life to choose to go back into a place where you had said you would never live. And so did it (laughs) matter where you lived? I have to say, you can make a difference from anywhere you are in life. You can be anywhere in the world. The goal is to start where you are with small steps and and actually thrive as a leader. You are a leader right now where you are. You don't even have to be in a special place. You can lead from where you are. I know I've seen that a lot, but it's true. You can lead from where you are with your daily actions because someone is watching. (laughs) You are a leader. Your actions speaks for itself. And that's what makes a leader. All their daily actions. So you got to ask yourself the question, what actions are you taking now that can influence someone to have a better life? Yeah. Yeah. Thank you, Tian. And, and, you know, I asked you that question because I, I had a feeling I was coming at it a little bit from the back door, trying to push you out loud to say it really doesn't matter. And, you know, at where you live is you and I've gotten to know each other. You know, I've lived in so many different places. I'm not even sure sometimes what to call my hometown. And yet I know wherever I am that in that place is where I can make a difference. And just knowing that you've gone back to a place where you spent many, many years. Um, yes. and, and seeking the same thing. You know, as leaders, we seek to be a change agents. We seek to shift culture and we, we seek to make a difference. So thank you for your time today. I appreciate it for allowing me to be here. Yeah. Thank you, Tian. That was such a great conversation with Tian Singletary, or as he goes by Coach Tian. And, you know, later on, I, I asked him if he would share specifically how many people does he connect with on a regular basis with the work that he's doing. And, and it was over 600 people. So then I said, Tian, share with me how many people you have direct influence over as you're looking to do things like measuring the moments, measuring the change, looking to see where impact has been felt. And he said it was a, a little over 300. It came to 310 people that he could share. He was having a direct influence over as we were meeting and talking together. And then he went back through and looked at where he had seen specific changes And it was 35% of the people that he was working with. Already this year, he has seen a significant change and impact. A moving from the mindset that that he knows exists now towards a mindset of growth. So thank you, Tion. Thank you for the inspiration. Thank you for sharing the story today of your life and the way that you have committed to a very specific community to make a difference.